Welcome to Technology Forward, where we explore trends and developments in the additive manufacturing industry. Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening. Additive manufacturing has long been used in automotive, especially in racing. Additive manufacturing enables designers to make fast changes when faced with rapidly changing regulations and short design times. But what are some of the lessons learned by those who work with motorsports, and what can you gain from their experience? I'm here with Kevin Bakke, 3D Systems Segment Leader, Transportation and Motorsports, to go over what additive in motorsports can do for your design decisions. So thank you for being here with me, Kevin. Thank you for having me. So let's start with the first question. What are some innovations that additive has enabled in the motorsports field? That's a good question. So the in the motorsports area, the, the way that I liken it is the entire industry is about transforming energy, right? So, so if you think about it, the, the whole premise is that you're starting with a, you know, a propulsion system that gives a, a certain amount of energy, and the team's objective is to really take and maximize that energy and utilize it as best they possibly can. So when you look at the applications that uh, have been really important in motorsports, they've been centered on either the production of or the management of that energy. So, okay. so, and I would say that the second piece has been really where we've spent a lot of the time and in innovation, uh, at least from our perspective, which would be managing some of the aerodynamic forces and managing some of the air and fluid flow uh, with, within the vehicle. Can you give me an example of some of the other areas, the energy management that AM contributes to? Yeah, absolutely. So if you look at the um, just the, the fundamentals, one of the biggest areas, like I said, in the aerodynamic side and wind tunnel is obviously maximizing downforce, you know, minimizing drag and so on. So we've spent, the teams have spent a lot of time in leveraging applications, leveraging materials, processes, and developing around that. In the air and fluid handling, it's it, a similar kind of aspect is really going to be about, you know, taking air and, and so on from one portion of the vehicle and, and directing it to another point in the vehicle to either dissipate energy from the system, i.e. transfer heat out, or actually to direct air oxygen into the propulsion system, for instance. And all of that really involves going, you know, convoluted paths and, and so on through the vehicle to uh, maximize the, you know, the packaging, reduce aerodynamic drag. So, so very similar, you know, areas and concepts are really about, you know, managing and optimizing energy. Now, how have motorsports innovations advanced AM technology? Has there been a reciprocal exposure or experience? Yeah, absolutely. They, the, <clears throat> I would say there's, there's a couple of different areas. One is on just the material side, right? Optimizing the applications and using the right material to get the right performance. So for instance, if you talk about aerodynamics, you know, there, there's a couple of things, the, the structural rigidity mimicking what's on the vehicle or what's going to be on the vehicle, uh, as well as surface finish, right? And in some cases now we're talking about even optimizing the color and finish of, of the parts. So been a lot of innovations in, in driving in and, and specifying the materials that we're using. Uh, this also falls in the, in the metal side, obviously, as well. So if you look at it, uh, the use of some of the more advanced alloys, lightweight alloys, heat resistant alloys has been, you know, prevalent in motorsports, and they've really driven a lot of uh, advancements in, in that side as, as well. Uh, the other area that people I think don't think about a lot is if you look at motorsports in general and how much iteration they go through, productivity is a big piece for them. 
typically mm -hmm. you don't think of motorsports as being a productive play, but absolutely it's, it, you know, they have a finite, you know, number of resources and a finite amount of time in between, you know, when they have to develop and put to track. So all of the processes that go on in terms of, you know, how you do your build preparation, how you do, um, you know, your uh, post-processing, uh, any curing that you have, any, any of that, uh, a lot of advancements and understanding goes into that. So we, we've learned a lot from motorsports in that respect as well. Can you maybe go into an example of how it maybe has changed something that uh, some system or some machine that you might have been working on additively? Yeah, so um, the motorsports teams are very uh, are very shy about details, but but I can allude to uh, to some of these. So so in some cases you've got you've got very finite package uh, to work with. Um, but like I said, you've got a lot of energy to manage. In some cases, these are are not just air fluids, but also they can be, you know, uh, liquid fluids. And being able to harness the dynamic, you know, fluid pressure in those while in a package is a, you know, a big need, right? That that can be addressed through additive. We can do things in terms of the geometries and so on to be able to manage, capture um, that fluid, and then you know, put it back into use very quickly through things like part consolidation. You know, extremely thin wall, and and for instance, in, in metals, being able to do the post processing needed to you know, evacuate the area of any debris, contaminations, things like that. So those have been areas that, uh, you know, we've been able to leverage additive in the motorsport space. That's, uh, I would say beyond the, you know, what you would think of as, as traditional, right? But, but really high value. Okay. So based on your experience here, are there any design developments from the motorsports area that can be used by engineers working in other fields? Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, a big piece of this is what's what's really interesting about my segment because in my segment in transportation and motorsports, uh, we've got five very diverse segments, sub segments within that. So we have our motorsports, obviously, uh, but we also have the consumer consumer auto side, which includes the OEMs and tier ones. But we also have public and commercial transportation. We have marine and recreation, and and so on. The applications that we've developed there, I would say, uh, you know, a lot of them have actually been driven from motorsports into some of these other subsegments, and and are really directly applicable. And you'll see them in applications in other segments, like in aerospace and defense, you know, and, and general manufacturing and service bureaus and so on. But examples of those are are some of which I already mentioned, right? The performance wind tunnel application in motorsports is very applicable in what we would call the body exterior, uh, you know, systems that the OEMs would be using, right? Where you're really trying to manage and, and optimize the aerodynamic flow. Similarly, we've got metal structural uh, in motorsports, and that application for metal structural is directly used in the consumer. OEM uh, side of the business um, because it's managing forces, you know, and using light, light weighting and topology optimization and so on. Other areas, the other areas that come to mind are energy and fluid management. So I kind of talked about some of the air and fluid handling, energy and fluid management. Again, those are directly applicable in other segments. The big difference is we have to look at the business model in those other segments and how they're leveraged and what values they're providing. Uh, motorsports can can have some unique value propositions, right? When it's when mm -hmm. it comes to getting speed at all costs. Whereas when we look at consumer auto or some of these other segments, 
It's about what can we leverage in terms of the process efficiency that motorsports has driven into that application. Yeah, it sounds like it would be very beneficial for like maybe even a medical engineer designing something with additive to keep an eye on what's going on in the motorsports area, because some of those developments might be applicable. I'm finding that in a cross section of the engineering yeah. fields. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think the some of the some of the advanced materials, advanced applications that we talk about, like that, like you say, energy and fluid management, when you're talking about pumps and so on, mm -hmm. those are, you know, those are going to be directly applicable on me medical de device. And as I mentioned in the application for motorsports, evacuating contaminants out of that system, you mm -hmm. can see, you can draw a direct line comparison to the medical, you know, example that, that you're giving, right? Mm -hmm. That's going to be critical in a, in a biological or a medical field. Same thing in aerospace. Right. Aerospace, it's amazing the connection that we can draw between that and the motorsport side. I mean, it's like they're really sister segments, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, we pull a lot of expertise out of what's going on in aerospace into our motorsports and vice versa. We get a lot of the motorsports uh, bridging into aerospace. Do some of those material developments apply to other industries as a result of motorsports use? Uh, yes, absolutely. So, so for instance, we actually launched a set of materials just recently that were really pushing the envelope in terms of photopolymer-based, you know, plastics that have longevity for use, uh, meaning they're not degrading, you know, in terms of, of weeks and months, it's years, right? Years of use. And those have just come out. The customer that we were working with to develop those, one of the customers was, was in our motorsports field. It was, and those materials are directly applicable across multiple segments. You know, we've, we've indicated it against, you know, consumer goods and, and service bureaus, as well as, you know, aerospace and so on. So, so yeah, we're able to leverage the advancement, the, the innovation that the customers are driving into these materials across segments. And that, that's been kind of the norm actually there have been other materials advancements that we've made recently that were somewhat developed and specific for motorsports in Formula One. In particular, we had a PIV uh, wind tunnel material. Mm -hmm. But even there, if you look at the, the fundamental you know, principle of optimizing the aerodynamics and wind tunnel, multiple industries are, are uh, using you know, wind tunnel and aerodynamics as well. So we expect it to, to bleed over. Do you think that there might be some reluctance on the part of some designers who are used to using metal materials to switch over to some of these more rugged polymer materials? Uh, I actually, I don't, the, the engineers that, that I've worked with, the, you know, they, they actually do keep a pretty open mind about material usage. Uh, what I've found in our particular industry and in motorsports and automotive, it's not necessarily about the engineer's willingness to look. It's really about the ability to certify and prove that the material is intended for use. Okay. We spend a lot of time in that. And that's a, a good example is the materials that I just mentioned. You know, the reason why we're advancing those materials in high heat, uh, you know, flame resistant, uh, longevity, you know, in terms of its life is for exactly that, to prove out these materials for use uh, in application. I think that's really the hurdle that I think the engineers really, you know, are, are looking to overcome. That's what we're working on. Yeah, innovators innovate. They, the engineers typically don't have a problem with imagination and trying to figure out, you know, what they, what they, 
want to do. It's a matter of what they can do, right? Yeah. And that's what, that's what we're really focusing our efforts on in reducing that barrier of entry and then also giving them the, you know, the, the confidence in the material and its use um, for the applications that they're providing. All they need is proof. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, engineering. Yeah, the it makes sense because I, I think there's kind of a natural progression, right? People people start with really exotic, you know, alloys mm -hmm. and so on to meet a function. Ultimately, if if you see that application, it ends up going into it, it goes back to my certification thing of okay, that's my no risk, minimal risk is these, you know, really exotic alloys. How do I now start to migrate down into something that's more cost effective, maybe more productive and so on, while still managing that risk, right? So mm -hmm. I think we're seeing a lot where people are, have really moved from those exotics and they're, they're exploring more in terms of some of the, the you know, aluminum alloys, gum alloys, 6061s and so on. Are the um, powder manufacturers or the metal manufacturers, are they uh, making it easier to, to get the kind of alloys and, and materials that the engineer is looking for? Are, are they struggling with any specific issues? No, I haven't really, I haven't really run into a bottleneck in terms of, you know, the manufacturer's ability to produce the materials that we need. Um, it's really just uh, marrying the application with the, you know, the parameters and the technology that we have in terms of, you know, metal production in our case. So no, I don't think it's necessarily like a supply chain or, or a material wondering. manufacturer. Yeah. I think it's really an expertise in the applications and the, and the technology that builds it. Yeah. The supply chain seems to be affecting nearly every area. And that's one of yeah. the few that I've not heard it affect much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now we always look to optimize the supply chain, right? So, I mean, a big piece of the, the puzzle there is the economics that we have to work within. So that's always going to be something that we're looking at optimizing there, but in terms of availability and so on, um, we haven't really, I, I haven't really experienced any issue in availability. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your time, Kevin. I appreciate it. No, absolutely. It's really good.